Well, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, actually, this week has been a rather special week for me because I, every July the 1st, um, I remember that that's when I retired, and it's been seven years since I retired. And I was just thinking how good the Lord has been um, to me, to us as a family, um, allowing me to have still have opportunities for ministry. Uh, I, I tallied it up um, in seven years. I've spoken 134 times. And I have been writing a monthly article for a magazine, an evangelical magazine in an Islamic country, and the editor had to flee for his life. Um, so that's very um, special as well. So those are great things that have been happening. And uh, But as I thought about it, I realized also, and I sincerely mean this, there's no flattery here. Now, the 12 times that I have been with you have been a highlight for me. They've been very special for me. And it has been my joy to be with you. And if you see me turn up one Sunday morning, I promise you I'm not here to check you out. I promise you I'm here because I'm missing you and I just want to be with you. And so thank you for the joy of sharing with me um, on these Sunday mornings. What a blessing it has been. Lord, please bless our time together now. We need always to be encouraged by your word, but please take your word now and encourage our hearts in Christ's name. Amen. One of the really famous um, parables that I'm not going to preach on it this morning is the parable of the sower and the seed. You know the one where the sower goes out and he scatters the expensive seed everywhere on the ground, and before you know it, the birds of the air are plucking up some of them, and others grow in the rocky soil, and then the sun comes down and it withers. And then... Um, Jesus says, however, it also falls on good soil. I kind of think we go wrong on that parable. Um, there are other scriptures which tell us to root out sin in our lives. But very often the parable is taken to mean you need to spend your time this week taking out the weeds, okay? And it's really not about that at all. It's really about the fact that Jesus is saying when we scatter the seed, there are different responses that you can expect. But some people, it will fall on good's hearts, and some people will respond 30-fold. Now, 30-fold in Jesus' time was a good crop. If a farmer could get 30-fold, he'd be really happy. But Jesus also said 100-fold. And you know, that doesn't mean anything to us now, but back then, the farmer and his audience would be saying, Jesus, 100-fold? I've never had anything near a hundredfold uh, since I've been farming. Where do you get that from? The only place I've ever heard of somebody having a hundredfold is Isaac. Back in Genesis when the Lord blessed him and he had a return of a hundredfold. And if he was really a perceptive farmer, he might say, Jesus, are you telling us you're another type of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and that you're going to have those kind of results? And it's like Jesus knows that we're thinking, a hundredfold? I've never seen that. Come on, Jesus, explain that to me. I, I need to understand it. And so he, then he, to, he gives them a second parable. And this is the heart of the one we're looking at. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the air, then the full grain of corn. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus is coming right out front and telling us, you won't see when this is happening. It's invisible. 
Uh, some years ago, about four years ago, uh, just for the lark, the fun of it, uh, I took a avocado seed, a store-bought avocado from, from Publix, I think, and I stuck it in the ground, and I thought, hey, I didn't even fertilize it. I just stuck it in the ground, and I said, let's say it would be fun to see if anything happens with this. And, of course, nothing happened to it, though I kept checking it every week. I gave up on the avocado seed. I said it came from Publix anyway. What do you expect? And then one day I was passing by and I saw an avocado plant about this high. And my mind ran to this parable. You don't know what's happening under the ground. You can't see what is happening as it happens from, from day to day. And the more you watch it is the less you see it growing. And is the more you're thinking it's not even growing. And then, yeah, I do recycle some of these sermons, sorry. The first time I spoke on this, um, back about three years ago, I went out and I measured it and I said, it's two feet three. Now I looked at my notes this time and the last time I, I said, it's four feet three inches. So I went out there and I didn't take the tape measure. I just stood beside it this time and I looked up and it's right up here. I could not see that growth happening day by day. But because of the nature of the seed, store-bought from public as it was, because the seed was good seed, it grew even if you couldn't see it. And so here's our first quote. The progress of the kingdom of God and the word of God, like the growth of a seed, can rarely be seen happening on an immediate day-to-day -day basis. But that does not mean that something significant is not taking place. You see, the growth of a seed, the growth of the kingdom of God, what God has planted into your life and mine, the seed that God has scattered across the face of the earth, it doesn't, the kingdom of God doesn't come with tanks and guns and planes and atomic warfare and muscle and might. Indeed, from day to day, you can't see it happening. But Jesus says, because you can't see it happening, because it is invisible, does not mean that it's not happening. I want you to take that promise for yourself this morning. And I want you to take that promise for your church this morning. Because you can't see it happening doesn't mean that it's not happening. But then Jesus goes on to say something more. He says it's not only invisible, but it's inexplicable. You don't understand what is happening. It says the ancient farmer, when, when he puts the seed in the ground and it begins to grow up, um, he, he, he doesn't know how it grows from one day to another. I'm sure you can find some scientist somewhere who will um, assure you that he knows how it grows and why it's growing, but... For the rest of us, it's inexplicable. It's mysterious. It's awesome. We don't know what is taking place, but we do know that it's taking place. And the reason it is taking place lies in the nature of the seed itself. And here's what Jesus wants us to know. That the word of God, and you know the word of God in the end is Jesus, right? That the word of God, that the kingdom of God, when it's implanted in our hearts, inexplicably, we don't understand. It just keeps on growing. I have a bunch of examples I could give you. And despite this being my last Sunday with you for now, until you invite me back for a missions conference to tell you about 
hate the Hope Alliance that I'm a part of, hint, hint, elders. Um, <laughs> there are a bunch of stories that I, that I could tell you this morning, but one, uh, last month, um, this, this August, my wife and I will be married for 50 years, and we've been saving up um, to go on a 50th anniversary trip back to, to England. And we gave up on the idea, but suddenly there seemed to be a break with the COVID virus. And we jumped on a plane and we got over there. And I wanted to visit my 101-year-old half-sister. And um, I met my nephew, who is older than me. Forget it, I come from a strange family. And and he took me to visit my half-sister. And the first thing is that we had a great time with my nephew, who is older than me. And, and, and the reason for that is when I knew him as a teenager, and Christopher, please don't watch this sermon, because um, he was just such a spoiled brat. He was an only child. And I thought he was obnoxious. And now he's just the nicest human being you've ever met. And he spends his time ministering to homeless people in London. He took me to visit um, his mom, my 101-year-old half-sister, who is no longer cognizant. She doesn't recognize you. She can't speak. And then at the end of it, he said, Mom, now we're going to say the Lord's Prayer. And he said, Our Father. And suddenly she opened her mouth and she said, Our Father. <laughs> Goosebumps. Who art in heaven? Who art in heaven? I, I thought she couldn't even speak anymore. And here she is reciting the Lord's Prayer with us. You understand that the seed planted in her heart all of those years still is in there, bearing fruit even in her present mental state. And I remembered also that my father prayed for this nephew of mine. And I said, Dad, how come you pray for, for your grandchildren, but you don't pray for your three daughters? And he said to me, son, I do pray for my three daughters. But the thing is, I taught them the gospel. Or I could paraphrase, I put the seed in their hearts. But my grandchildren are not hearing it at all. And here's, here's one of four of his grandchildren, three of whom are today completely committed to Jesus Christ. My father didn't live to see it, but his prayers and the seed planted is powerful. It's inexplicable, but it is absolutely happening and taking place. Uh, I got a call from a friend from the village in Jamaica that I grew up in, Ralston. And, you know, we were talking about the great old days in the summer when we ran around with slingshots and all that kind of stuff. And he said, the reason I called you, Stephen, is because I want you to know what a profound impact your mother's Sunday school classes had on my life. And I want you to know that I'm walking with Christ today. And I want you to know I'm even a deacon in my Baptist church in Brooklyn. And then I remember that he had a sister whom my mother loved. She was convinced that Beverly was, was going to go all the way through with the Lord and my mom came home, and I even checked in with my brother, and he remembers it too. She came home crying because Beverly had gone off the track spiritually and completely. And so I said with some fear, Rustin, you had a sister named Beverly, didn't you? And I said, how is she? And she said, oh, she died. And I said, did she die in Christ? And he said, 
Absolutely she did. No doubt about it at all. See, that's the nature of the seed. Its growth is invisible. Its growth can be utterly inexplicable. But it is because of the word of God and the word of God who is Jesus. And it is because the kingdom of God is planted in my heart and in yours and in our world that we can have it with absolute confidence. Just practically, we all want our friends to come to Christ. But some of us have a way of beating them to death with it. And it doesn't work. They see us coming and they take off in the opposite direction. Trust in the power and the nature of the seed and the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? Plant it. Yes, it's got to be planted. But sometimes it can just be dropped into the soil. Yeah, it's got to be watered. Pray about it. But, but believe in the power of the gospel and in the purposes of God that he will bring it to bear in his own time. So now the question, Jesus, is this. Um, okay, we get it. It's invisible and it's inexplicable. But just how far can we take this that, that you're saying it, it has an incredible future? And so he comes back at us with another short parable that tells us, yeah, this is inevitable, by the way. And he said, what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed when sown on the ground. It's the smallest of all the seeds of the earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Um, Jesus's point is that he, he, he brings up a topic that, you know, maybe was often talked about. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? It's the size of a pinhead. And yet when you plant that mustard seed, it grows into a large bush, bigger than the other garden plants, a large bush. And the birds of the air come to take shelter in it. And the image of the birds of the air, we don't have time to prove it this morning, all through scripture, the image of the birds of the air taking shelter under the tree is the nations of the world coming in. And Jesus is, is saying that despite the teeniness, the smallness of this little seed, it's going to grow into a great bush and the nations are going to come in and take shelter in it. And so here's a, a quote I want to, to give to you. The, and it's not mine, and so it's really profound. The end is implicit in the beginning, and the infinitely great is already active in the impossibly small. It's true, isn't it? Let me read the whole quotation for you. The feature common to all of these parables to do with the seed is that they contrast the beginning with the end, and what a contrast! The insignificance of the beginning and the triumph of the end. But the contrast is not even the whole truth. The fruit is the result of the seed. And the end is implicit in the beginning. The infinitely great is already active in the infinitely small. In the present and indeed in secret, the event is already in motion. The undisclosed nature of God's kingdom is a matter of faith in a world which as yet knows nothing of it. Those to whom it has been given to understand the mystery of the kingdom can already see in its hidden and insignificant beginnings the coming glory of God. 
It's just awesome when you take it for yourself. It's so insignificant and small in my life and in yours and in our church. And yet, it has such a great future. Yet, I can actually believe that because it's the word of God and the seed of God, that it is going to be, to, to, to be significant and, and indeed to be great. As growing up, forget the mountains of Jamaica, you can, the older you get, the more you end up back there. Um, there was a lady in our community who we called Aunt Nell. Um, she, you know, we're going back to the early 60s now, and she was elderly then. Um, she'd been a missionary in China. I always thought Aunt Nell was a tragic figure. There were stories of her hiding under her bed from bandits, and then there were stories of her having to get out of China as the communists moved in. And in the 1960s, in the Third World, everybody believed that communism was inevitable and it was the future of the world. And I tended to think that Aunt Nell was a wonderful lady, and she had a significant ministry to the Chinese population in Jamaica, but, but really her ministry was, 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 was at an end and never did come to much, did it? And then we had a Chinese graduate student start coming to our church and she asked to be baptized. And I said to her, when did you come to Christ? And how did you come to Christ? You're from mainland China and you're here doing graduate work. What happened? She said, when I was a little girl, a really little girl, my grandmother whispered the story of Jesus to me. This is communist China at its worst. Whispered the story of Jesus to me. And when I came to the States, over to the University of Maryland, where we were across from, I decided I have to find out about the story that grandma whispered in my ear. And here I am. I've come to Christ. And then I thought, you know what? Somebody, maybe like Aunt Nell, whispered the story to her grandmother. And from this impossibly small, insignificant beginning has come this wonderful end. Do you know, and you can, the media doesn't tell you this stuff, okay? But you can go check the internet, and if you think that I don't know what I'm saying. Um, do you know that there are now 100 million Christians in China? And that there are more Christians in China than there are in the Communist Party? And do you know that at the present rate of growth, if the Lord allows it to continue at the present um, rate of growth, do you know that by 2030, at the end of the, of the decade, there will be 250 million Chinese Christians? And do you know that in Africa, where China has its policy of building roads and all that, that its construction workers have been planting churches in Africa? Chinese laborers? I don't know when that happened. Between when I was a, a kid feeling sorry for Aunt Nell and turning around now and realizing that in the face of persecution, against all odds, invisibly, inexplicitly, but inevitably, the kingdom of God is bearing fruit across the, the face of the earth. But there's also one thing I find puzzling about the parable of the mustard seed. 
I don't know if it's ever occurred to you, unless you realize that it's just a large bush. But yeah, I mean this reverently. Uh, Time to time I've said, Lord, I don't get what you're saying here. This parable really doesn't make sense. Because the mustard seed, yeah, it's very small. I know that's your point. But the bush ain't very big from what I've heard. And yes, I know that birds like to go into the bush. And so the, you're saying the kingdoms of the earth will, will come into, to, into the kingdom of God. But it doesn't quite work, does it? I mean, when you go back to the stories where this is taken from out of the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom is described as having grown like a great tree under which the birds of the air have taken shelter. That I get. That's now that's a kingdom, but a kingdom that looks like a mustard bush doesn't make much sense to me, Lord. And and then I, I read um, someone saying this quote: "The the kingdom is not what you expect. It comes imperceptibly, not with a clash of thunder. It comes without your efforts, and when you're not looking for it, its beginning are so small as to be almost invisible." Even when it is fully present, and this is what we're getting to, even when it is fully present, you may be disappointed, for its splendor will seem pale in comparison to the kingdoms of the world. God's kingdom is not simply the world's kingdom raised to a higher degree, but something of a different kind altogether. Progress of God in your life and mine. Not in becoming a Christian multi-billionaire. The progress of the kingdom of God in the world is not that we're going to go back to the Middle Ages when the Pope had whole armies at his disposal. The progress of the kingdom of God, it is unlike any other kingdom in the world. And when every other kingdom in the world, beginning with Nebuchadnezzar's back in Daniel, has collapsed and is gone, the kingdom of God will still be reaching out across the face of the earth and peoples from the nations of the earth will still be coming to find shelter in it. Just want to tell you what this should mean to us. Do not dare to be discouraged. You can't see what's happening in your life, but it is happening. Even in, oh, but I'm in turmoil. You don't understand all that's happening. Yeah, I understand all that's happening. My avocado tree from Publix been through one hurricane, a number of floodings, etc. But it's still there. And God's grace in your life when it has been planted in there, come hurricanes or whatever, it's not going to go under because that seed is the word of God that is Jesus. And once it's planted in your life, he's going to take you the whole way through. And if you're like me and you're sick and tired of reading the news, the only good thing is it may break my addiction to going on my phone to read the news. And you're really discouraged about what's happening in your nation. Just remember, the kingdom of God in our nation doesn't come with tanks and guns and power and might. It's of an entirely different sort. It flies under the radar. But it doesn't mean that it is not there and that it's happening and that it's growing and that it is indeed transforming lives. And keep our eyes on the ends of the earth and the mission of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. What God is doing in Haiti in the most terrible of times is absolutely incredible. 
and God's kingdom is growing all through Africa and the far reaches of the earth. And in my lifetime, and in yours if you're half as old as I am, it's grown more in our lifetime than in centuries and centuries before. There are more Christians in Iran today than in all of history put together. There are more Christians in Iran today than all of history putting, being put together and added up. And that is because when God plants his seed in our lives, it's the real thing. It's the only thing. And that to have Jesus in our hearts and to have Jesus in our church and to be spreading the good news of Jesus in our world is although invisible yet absolutely and inexplicable, yet it shall go indeed to the ends of the earth. Think about this, it's remarkable. Jesus was a peasant. And um, 30 years old, he's up on the cross dying. And that's the end, right? It's all over, thought the disciples. And on his lips are Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then go home and read the rest of Psalm 22. Here is, here is what it says. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship you. Posterity shall serve him and it shall be told to, of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people even yet unborn that he has done it. Can't stop the kingdom of God. And what God has begun in your life and in mine and in our church and in our world will never end. It might have the teeniest and most insignificant of beginnings. But when the kingdom comes in all of its glory and finally Christ brings in the new heavens and the new earth, it shall have an awesome, inexplicable glory. And for those of us who have come to understand the kingdom by God's grace and cherish it in our hearts this morning, it shall have no end. We're going to go to the Lord's table this morning. And just by way of transition, um, I know that um, Morgan will do more on this. But just by way of transition, on the bread and the wine is the gospel. It's the word of God in picture form, as it were, for us in physical form, and this is a little bit irreverent, but forget me in the, forgive me, in the first service, I was handing out the um, bread, if you can call it that. Um, I've never been fond of these little things. I want to take a real big piece of bread and feast on it. But I understand, I've been a pastor, I understand that's not practical, and that we do this to be practical. But I looked at that little piece of bread this morning and I said, wow, a nice little seed. And I'm going to take it. Because what he did for me on the cross and when he was raised from the dead, though insignificant in its beginning and though inexplicable is inevitable, and the Lord is at work in my life and nothing to do with me, all to do with him, we shall give him the praise and the glory and the thanksgiving now and forevermore. And if you don't know the truth of that, 
This is the morning to find the seed, to take it and place it in your heart because it's absolutely possible. So 